Well, there is a prevailing thought among Christians that submission to the will of God does not always require a knowledge of it. And people enter many statements, they state their plans, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go here, if it be the will of God. And they'll throw that on there at the end, because there was one place where Paul said it. One place where Paul said it. But we're not understanding why Paul said it in the context, and so we just take that phrase and tack it on all over the place. And what comes along with it is an understanding that I may not understand the will of God. And so I, the more I tack this on, the more I tell myself there are things in the will of God that I will not understand. So the concepts, it seems innocent enough. Well, just in case, you know, God wants to do something else, I just want to show him that I'm submitted to whatever it is that he wants to do. And, um, and that's fine. But the Word teaches us otherwise. And here in Ephesians 5, Paul tells us that we should understand the will of God. But to not understand the will of God is on par with being unwise. So we're going to take a look at, at this here and here at the end. We're actually not going to get as far as I said we were going to on Sunday. We're only looking at about three verses that we're going to take on here. But we're going to look at uh, the pitfalls of not knowing the will of God, what doors this opens for the enemy, and what expectations we should have to understand what the will of the Lord is. So last week we were looking at not having fellowship but expose the works of darkness. We saw that light exposes or sheds light on what is desired to be revealed. Darkness tries to conceal, tries to hide things from the light. And we went over some of the methods that darkness uses. No sense in going over all that today. That's Spend our time here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. If you missed any of that, you can podcast it, download it, watch it, whatever you want to do, it's all up there. Ephesians 5 and verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So the word here, see then, can actually be translated now that you, or now that you walk circumspectly, now that you are walking in the light, not walking in darkness, because that's what he has spent his time on. Don't do the works of darkness. Don't walk in the ways of darkness. Stay out of darkness. Stay in the light. Walk as children of light. There's a contrast in the, the way that we should go. So, now that you're doing that, now that you're in that direction, walk circumspectly, he says. See then that you walk circumspectly. Now, when we walk circumspectly, it's very difficult not to walk circumspectly. When we're walking, I may be focused on certain things that are right in front of me. I have a focus on an area, but I'm still seeing all these other things. I can catch movement out of here, and if my attention needs to go over to another spot, I catch the movement, I, I direct my attention over there, and a lot of times you can even direct your attention without focusing your eyes. You all know how to do that. If you have little kids, you, you got expert at it. Yeah. Because they're watching your eyes, and if you're looking at over here, I can do what I want over here, but I'm looking that way, but I'm watching you over here. <laughs> you, you develop that, uh, that type of vision. And so the only way that you really don't walk circumspectly in the natural is if your focus is on something else. And now, anymore, we see this all the time with people that walk around like this. <laughs> I see people all the time walking like this. 
then they're they're just they're looking at their phone, they're reading their phone, whatever it is that they're doing, they're on the phone and they're looking at it, but they're walking. Now, see that'll cut down on your on how much you can see circumspectly because this is this is actually there. It's 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 blocking you. Some of the things that get in the the way from us seeing circumspectly is first off, if we're not in the in the light, we're in darkness. If I'm walking through a dark room, even though my eyes can see a wider range, the darkness would prevent me from doing it. I'm working hard just to see what I'm what my vision is focused on. I can't necessarily see all the other things because the room is dark. Sometimes people, as they get older or uh, have night vision problems, you know, they uh, when the sun goes down, they they don't drive, they don't want to go out because I'm not seeing all the things like I used to see. So darkness will be one of that, and he spent a good bit of time, but darkness can cut down on your ability to see the things that are going on as you're walking. Uh, sometimes something will capture your attention, like a phone or maybe an event, something is, is going on, and we've all seen those uh, uh, funniest home videos that they put up there where somebody is focused on one thing and they walk into a pole or they walk into uh, some kind of a obstacle or fall into a hole that's uh, entertaining. So something blocks can block our vision, something can capture our attention. Sometimes we're going to have something that just gets in there and it, it blocks what we can what we can see. And I have to try and look around past it. That'll hold it, hold us back. You could also be walking abnormally, like backwards. <laughs> that would affect that as well. And many Christians walk abnormally when they're walking in the ways of darkness, when they're walking and doing the things that the Bible says, don't do these things, you're walking abnormally. These things will affect what you're able to to see there. But we're not to walk like Gentiles. We're to walk as children of light. That's what we're called to do. And this light will have an effect upon our walk. Now, when it says here, walk circumspectly, it's a fun little little Greek word that um, I couldn't find too many out there that really tore this word apart and really delved into it. So I, I, I did all I could on this, on this word. I pulled out even some stuff I don't always pull out to try and get some, some things out of it. But basically, the, the, the way this word is defined or interpreted would be exactly, accurately, circumspectly, diligently, or perfect, or perfectly. But let me give you some of the places where this is used. It's not used all that often, but it is used. And actually, there's two forms of this that uh, I think all both forms totaled about nine uses total in the Bible. I believe the other form of this is uh, about four times, and this one is about five. So all total, I believe it's about nine different places. Uh, Luke is the one who uses this the most between Luke and the book of Acts. In Matthew 2 and verse 8, speaking of Herod, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. This word here, carefully, is our Greek word, akrabos. It means to be exact, be diligent, be circumspect, be looking all around, don't, don't let any details get through, and be accurate. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Luke uses this when he describes why he is writing the 
book of Luke and as well as the book of Acts. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Now there it's translated perfect. But if you look at the way this is, is used, what Luke is saying is, I have a broad, I have a circumspect, I have a, uh, I've been diligent with this. I have a good view of all the things that have happened with Jesus, so it seemed good to me to write it down because of the way that he, he looked at this. And uh, it seemed he was one who probably wrote things down in a book, kept, uh, kept notes with him. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all the things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. Acts chapter 18, verse 25. This, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So his understanding was limited, but what he taught was accurate within that. You do not have to have full knowledge of a thing in order to be accurate, in order to be precise, in order to be exact like this word is talking about. This man did not have all knowledge of all the things going on in the, in the, um, in the Bible, in the things of the church. He said he taught accurately the things of the Lord though he knew only the baptism of John. If you know your knowledge is limited, stay within that realm of knowledge and don't be venturing out into to some other places. Stay within that. And this person did. That's what he spoke and taught accurately, the things of the Lord. The New Century Version puts this this way. He had been taught about the way of the Lord and was always very excited when he spoke and taught the truth about Jesus. Well, if you're accurate about the things about the Lord, about Jesus, then it would be the truth. In the New Living, he had been taught the way of the Lord and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. The ESV says he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Now, you'll see this same verse translated very similar to this in the NET, the CSB, and believe it or not, even the NIV. <laughs> they use the word accurately to describe when they translate this verb, this word, they, they translate it accurately. Young's is a little bit different. This one was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit was speaking and teaching exactly the things about the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Darby translation translates this the same way. So you can be accurate even if your knowledge is partial. You do not have to have complete knowledge on a topic to be accurate. As long as you keep what you're teaching, what you're saying, what you're speaking within the realm of the knowledge that you have. Our news media today, of course, they're always out there and they speak way beyond their actual understanding, their actual knowledge. And they get caught in it many times and uh, then they try and cover that up. But you can see, as long as you stay within what you know, and speak within what you know, you can be accurate. And you can just simply say, well, that's outside of, of what I know. I'm not sure about those particular areas over there. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 2, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief of the night. So when you say, when you see this, that you can know perfectly, you could also put in the word, you know accurately that the day of the Lord comes, so comes as a thief in the night. And we know some of the things that he taught to the Thessalonians about the end times that he expected them to have known. 
But here he's referring back to what he had already taught them. You yourselves know accurately, or you yourselves know perfectly, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Uh, accuracy comes from one who has studied the whole word, or at least what the word has to say on a particular topic, not one who just runs to it for what they need today. There are people out there, and Christians who do this, I need something today. I go out to the Word and I find one area that tells me something about it and I glean all this stuff out of that one area, out of that one verse. Well, you're not accurate because you have not taken in what all the Word has to say about it. But these people won't stop them from going out there and saying, this is what God teaches. That's wrong. This is right. This is the way to go. That's not the way to go. They aren't accurate because they have not looked at all of the Word of God on that, on that particular uh, particular topic. So we need to make sure that when we go after a topic, when we go after something, that we're accurate. Spend some time in the Word. Look at what the Word has to say. Get that accuracy down. Before you stand on a verse, before you let a verse form inside of you a belief, make sure that you have gone through the Word and checked it all out. Sometimes it's even good just to go back over it again. If you're going to need to make a decision on something, if you need to make a stand on something. Well, I already know what the Word says. Well, go over it again. You've walked in it for a while. Maybe now you'll understand some more. Go over it again. Make sure that you're accurate because that's, that is something that we need. So he says again here, Ephesians 5.15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Make sure that in your walk you are accurate. You are circumspect. You are taking in all the things, the knowledge that you have, the light that you're walking in. Make sure that this is accurate Make sure this, this is the right kind of light. <clears throat> he said, whoop, I, not as fools, but as wise. Not as fools, but as wise. The word here for fools is the Greek word asaphos. Now, if you are a, a person who has gone to school, you know that the sophomore is taken from saphos which is the word for wise. They put the word A in front of it to mean the opposite. So one who is unwise or one who is a fool. So don't do this as fools, but as wise. A fool is one who walks not circumspectly or accurately and in darkness. That would be a fool. So a fool is one, the word of God says, this is the way, walk you in it. Well, I'm not going to go that way. I don't think I need to. I think I can go my own way here. I think I can do this. I don't think the word means that. And so they're going in an inaccurate way. They're not taking in all, of, all the factors. They're not seeing all the things in the word of God. And so they're going in a way the word of God describes as a fool. Don't be a fool is what he is, he is saying. Let's read it again. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, since we are going through all this, be in the light, not in the darkness. Walk in the light, not walk in the darkness. Don't do the works of darkness, do the works of the light. If you do all these things, then see then, or now that you are walking circumspectly, now that you are walking in such a way that is accurate, not as fools, but as wise. So a fool is one who is not walking this way, is what he's teaching us. In verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Now, redeeming the time, this word here, redeem, means to buy back. It means to buy back. I pulled out the New Living Translation of this. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. This is the way the four of the translations have done it as well. I'm not going to give you all those for time's sake, but um, uh, these are the main translations I look to, not those uh, other ones that I, I don't look to. <laughs> and there are actually quite a few that I just kind of go away from. But uh, most of the main ones that I like to use are going to go the, along this way. Make the most of every opportunity. In, our, in the New King James, it says redeeming time. To Redeem means to buy back. This is time I have wasted or time I might waste. If you spend time walking according to the flesh, if you walk uh, in, the, in the way of darkness, that is wasted time. That is time that you were not accomplishing the things for God. You were not doing things in your calling. You were not doing things for the kingdom. You were basically wasting time. So it's saying here, go and redeem it back. Now this word here for re, re, um, uh, redeeming, it comes from a combination word, ek, which is out, and agorazo, which means to buy. So basically to buy out, if you put the two of them together. Redeem by payment of a price to recover from the power of another, to ransom, buy off, or figuratively to rescue from loss. So there has been some time that we have wasted. There has been some time that we have pursued the way of darkness. He is referring to people here who he said, stop walking in the way of darkness. So there is time that they have wasted. He says, now go out there and redeem the time. Buy that time back. Get yourself into the place where you are walking circumspectly, where you are walking in the light. You are not walking as a fool, but you are walking as wise. When we do that, we can go back apparently and buy back some of that time that we wasted. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider. Him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Many of these witnesses that are there, many of these witnesses that are in the cloud, they once walked as unwise. They once walked in a way that was not the way of wisdom. But at the end, they redeemed it. And look at the people that he put into the, uh, into the faith chapter that just came before all these people that he talked about that had uh, great exploits in faith. Well, we know that they had some times they were walking in the flesh. Abraham had times he was walking in the flesh. Gideon had time he was walking in the flesh. Moses had time he was walking in the flesh. All these folks had times that they were, they were wasting the time. They were walking in the flesh. They were not walking wise. They were walking as unwise. But they made up for it. When we think about Moses, do we think about all the time he wasted? No, we think about all the things that he did when he got going in the right path. Uh, most people, they think about Gideon. Do they think about the time that he wasted? No, they think about the great battle that he won. And you go rest the rest of the list of the people that are in Hebrews chapter 11. These are people who bought back the time. Don't be fussing over all the things that you've wasted. Don't be fussing over all the things that 
uh, well, this happened in the past. Can't change that. But he says right here, you can redeem back, you can buy back the time. So go out there and, and get it. Most of the people that made the, uh, the Hall of, of Fame, as it is called in, in faith, were really only in faith for a short period of their life. But God bragged about them. So don't think that just because you haven't done everything that you could, there were times that you walked in darkness, there was times that you, you didn't walk in the right way. Well, from here on out, buy back that time. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. Do not be unwise. Now, the word here for unwise is a little, it's a little bit of a different word. It's not just um, what the word he just used, which was wise or not wise, wisdom or not wisdom. It is a Greek word that means mindless, stupid, ignorant, egotistic, and rash. The Greek word is aphron. Do not be unwise. Do not be mindless. Do not be stupid. Do not be ignorant. Do not be egotistic or rash. Now this, uh, this word here is actually very kindly translated in this verse. If you go to some of the other places where this same word is used in the Bible, like Luke 11:38, I did not take all of the uses of this because it's used a good bit of time. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled, marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. They saw Jesus go in and eat, and he didn't wash his hands. Oh, the Pharisee says, oh, how, how he didn't wash his hands. How is it? that Jesus, a teacher, could not be going in there and washing his hand. Then the Lord said to him, Now, you, Pharisee, make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones. There's our word. It's, it doesn't say unwise, does it? We translated it foolish. When Jesus is using this, can you see him calling this person unwise? Oh, unwise one. Can you see him doing that? No. Jesus is making a point. You're calling me something for not washing my hands and what you're doing is washing the outside of the cup and the inside is awful? I don't know, have you ever had a, 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 a cup that you put in the dishwasher? And you put it in that, in that dishwasher and uh, some, some dirt got sprayed up on the inside and it kind of got baked on. Do, would, the inside of the cup has some baked on food. Now, would you just take that and just, well, we'll just put it away. It's fine. It went through the dishwasher. I mean, whatever dirt is in there, it's clean dirt. And we wouldn't do that, would we? No, because you put some liquid in there in that cup, it's going to soften up whatever is in there and it's going to be floating around in the, in the drink, whatever it is that you have, have in there. It's going to gross you out. You're not going to like that. I don't know what it is, but I don't, I don't like it. I don't want it in my drink. You don't care so much about what's on the outside of the cup, though you would also want to clean the outside of the cup. You care about what's on the inside of the cup to make sure that that, that thing is, is done. 
you know, the dishwashers that we have here now, I mean, it just seems like they take so long. You put those dishes in, it's, it's over an hour for, those, for that dishwasher to get done cleaning those things. And, you know, when I was down at Ken's Pizza and they, they started me in the dishwasher, we had a dishwasher, a big, big old thing, and you'd, uh, you'd take all these things and you had to stack them upright. That was the art of it, stacking them upright. You'd get them in there stacked upright and, and this thing could do it. And you'd put them in there three minutes. Three minutes, those things are washed. I mean, that water is swishing around. You close the, the hatch. You put all the, you have a tray. You put them all in the tray. You slide it on in. You close the hatch. As soon as you close that hatch, there's no, there's no on switch. <laughs> you close the hatch, that dishwasher starts. You lift it up, that dishwasher stops. But you put it down, that dishwasher is going, and it's spraying. And while it's spraying, you have that other rack, and you start putting all the stuff on, on that rack. And you get it all ready. So three minutes is up. You lift up the door, you send it on out, everything is clean, rinsed off, and ready to go. And I found ways to make it even faster. I would take all the plates, because I have a little bit of that monkism going on in me. <laughs> and I'd take all the bowls, and I'd stack all the bowls up in the corner of the sink, and I'd stack all the plates up next to it, and I'd take the hose, and I'd spray the hose down in there so that everything is soaking in water while I'm doing, and I would do the cups first. Let all those things soak in there. They only need to soak five, ten minutes. That's fine. Put all the cups in there. I wash the cups first. And then I, I take uh, the bowls and I put all the bowls in there and then send them on through. And then I'd be working on the plates. And uh, I got to be the fastest dishwasher they had. If they had a problem with dishwasher, they put me back there in 20 minutes. I had them all caught up and, and brought them on out. But this, I mean, these things, three-minute cycle. You push that thing on through and those dishes are clean. They are hot. They are so hot when you push them on through, they're, they just dry by themselves. You just let them sit there for a little while. The heat from that will just uh, cause the thing to evaporate. And then we start stacking them up, moving them on out there, get them going. And not anymore, an hour. An hour. <laughs> I never understood that. But anyway, you don't have to do anything with it. You just put them on in there. But uh, when they sit in there and that heat comes up, if there's some, some uh, baked stuff in, or some stuff, food stuff that got on there, it just kind of cooks them in and bakes them in. You can't just wipe them off. you got to soak them in something, put some water in there, and get that to come on off. But we wouldn't like it if that dirt was on the inside. It would bother us. Jesus is telling us he's mad. In case you don't pick it up from the passage, he's mad. He's upset with these guys. You're, you're looking at me? I think he actually did this because he's. if I do this, they're going to they're gonna say something about it, and that'll give an opportunity for them to to hear the truth on this. And so he, he lays into them about it. Foolish ones. And he uses this word. This is a harsh word. When you see it being over here in Ephesians, they've, they've softened it. There's no reason to. Foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have then indeed all, clean, all things are clean to you. Now he goes on and he elaborates on this a lot more. I cut it off there. I just really want you to see how he's using this word. He's not saying unwise. He's not saying, you know, that's not such a smart thing to do. He's saying, you are stupid. <laughs> that's what he is saying. He, he is calling them stupid. Luke 12, 20. But God said to him, fool. This is talking about the man who's, who's uh, think his, his future is all done. He had a good crop. Let's uh, store it all up and I'm just going to live off it. God said to him, fool. Now, do you get the thing from God that he's saying, oh, unwise one? Or do you get the feeling that he's saying, yo, stupid? 
But God has said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? 1 Peter 2.15 For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. The ignorance of stupid men. Not the ignorance of unwise this, is, but this word is much stronger. That's why I say here in Ephesians, they kind of softened it up a little bit when they put in there unwise. Because it's a, it's a pretty strong word here. So he says, therefore, do not be stupid. Therefore, do not be a fool. But understand what the will of the Lord is. So he's telling you right here that if you're going to walk in such a way as to not understand the will of the Lord, you are... Stupid, you are a fool. He says, no, don't be doing that. Understand what the will of God is. So therefore, do not be unwise. If you're going to be walking circumspectly, not circumspectly, it could be going to be focusing in on one little aspect of truth and ignoring all the others. Well, I'm just going to focus in on this. God's a God of mercy. I'm just going to focus on God's a God of mercy. And even if I mess up, God's a God of mercy and I'll be okay. No, you are a fool. You are stupid. You are focusing on one aspect of God and not looking circumspectly at all the things that God has going on. And you are a fool because you could be doing something better. You have the ability to look at all the things that God has said. You have the ability to see what the will of God is. And you insist on not knowing it. You are a fool. That's what he's saying. Can you see how strong he is on this? Therefore, do not be stupid. I'm putting that in here from now on. <laughs> that word unwise is just, it's just too soft. That's not what Paul is saying. Therefore, do not be stupid, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, if you really want to take it to heart here, if you go in a direction to not understand what the will of God is, how are you walking? As a fool. As one who is stupid. That's pretty strong. Again, the different definition. Paraphron. Mindless. Stupid. Ignorant. Egotistic. And rash. Think about the last time that somebody on the highway did something mindless. <laughs> did something stupid. How many can remember the words that came out of your mouth to describe them? Did you say such things as, oh, that was a very unwise thing to do? No, you did not. You said, yo, stupid, idiot. This is more like the kind of words that we, we use. How, how did you think you could pull out in that situation? But, he says, understand what the will of God is. Now, understand here means to put together, to comprehend, to consider, understand, or to be wise. Let's take a look at some of the places where it's used. Matthew 13. This is used a lot in the Bible. I am not making a thorough... Uh, uh, Look, see, at all these, I'm really just going to take you over here to this one 
because this will this is used three times in this short passage, and I'll give you a real clear understanding of what he's saying. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Well, disciples said, "Why do you speak to the multitudes in parables?" Jesus says, "Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand." That is our word. Nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand, there's our word again, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Now think about this. Is Jesus talking about the Roman soldiers that made up much of the, of the people that were on the streets? Is Jesus talking about the Samaritans, half-breed of people? Is he talking about the Gentiles? He is not. He is talking about the Jewish people for whom he was sent to. These are God's people. Speaking about God's people. Therefore I speak to them, not the Samaritans, not the Gentiles, not the Romans, nor Gentiles too, but therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing... They do not see and hearing, they do not hear. They hear the words that Jesus is saying. They see the things that Jesus has done, but they don't understand. If you see something, and if you hear something, but you don't understand it, how many times do you know people who do that, do they go off and say, well, I saw that, but you know, I really don't understand exactly what was going on there. Or do they come up with their own conclusion? They come up with their own reason why things had gone on. Well, I think... Isn't that how we generally do it? I saw and I heard. I didn't have understanding of it, but that does not stop me from coming to a conclusion. I can decide this was right, this was wrong. This was good, this was bad. Based on whatever I saw, whatever I heard. But I didn't have understanding. And we talk about it often when the news media comes out with a story. They're not presenting you with everything because they want you to go to a certain conclusion. Don't do it. So he's speaking about these Jewish people. Seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they do not hear. They don't understand it. I saw, I heard what Jesus taught, but I don't understand it. But I'll bet you that does not stop them from coming up with a conclusion. Well, I heard Jesus teach this, and I don't think that's right. I think he meant this. Have you ever heard people in the Christian circles who have read something in the Bible? I think it means this. And you thought, what? <laughs> are, are you kidding me? You think that means, means this? <sighs> yeah, well, I, and you can see, they saw, they heard, but there's no understanding there. How do you look at that person? Do you look at them as wise Do you look at them as unwise? Or do you look at them as 
stupid, ignorant, foolish. See, I'm on the latter part of that. I hear people that do that, and you just want you just shake your head. No. How, how can people be that stupid? It's kind of like if you ever watch uh, America's Funniest Videos. We used to always like watching that with the... Still do. Still go back and look at some of the reruns because I haven't seen... Oh, I don't know how many... How, how many seasons have they done it? They got, what, a thousand shows or something like that out there to see? I, they just seem like they just keep going with it. Keep changing the host. But you, you see the people and they line up. You see, you see what they're doing. They're lining up the, the bike for the jump, the skateboard, whatever it is. And you see them lining up and instantly, in your head, how many of you are thinking, oh, this is not going to end well? <laughs> this, is, this is not... I know no one's going to die because they put it on the show. <laughs> but someone surely could have. You know it. You're just looking at there. And your, your mind is understanding that if you put that bike up at that location and go down that ramp and go over this, this is what's going to happen. You know it. You have that understanding. But yet... People saw exactly the same thing. They conceived it in their head to put the bike up here at the top of the hill, to build the ramp in such a way, and to come down the hill to the ramp fearlessly and propel themselves into the air <laughs> expecting good results. <laughs> but you know, you're looking at it. You have clear understanding. I see. It's not going to hold. You did not support that ramp. That, uh, whatever, you, you come up with the reasons, you're looking at it. I know what's going to happen. And it does. But there were people who saw and heard, but they still did it. They still went out there and they did it. They just, they didn't have the understanding. Jesus said in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull. So here's the reasons for it. The hearts of this people, this people, the ones he has sent to, the hearts of this people have grown dull. Now you look at those people in America's Funny Videos who are doing those things. You've got to know their hearts have just grown dull to being smart. They just have decided, I am going to go in a direction of which anything that is intelligent, I will steer away from. It has, has to be. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. They hear, but they don't hear the same thing you hear. And their eyes, they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Well, those people who make those ramps and put those bikes up there on the top of the hill and do those things with the skateboard or whatever else that they're, they're doing, somewhere inside you got to figure a voice is saying, you can get hurt doing this. But they're dull to it. They're... They're not listening. Other people may have come up to them and said, you know, you could die doing something like that. And they, no, 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 we'll be fine. This is the kind of attitude that Jesus is dealing with them, but just on the spiritual level. Hearing and seeing are needed, but alone will not guarantee understanding. 
Just because I see and just because I hear does not mean that I understand. There are many people that have heard and have seen the will of God. It does not mean that they understand it. Many have heard and even seen the will of God for their lives, but the understanding is not pursued or reached because of dullness or hardness of heart. Those are the reasons that Jesus gives. There are people for which God would reveal things, has revealed things, they've seen some things, they've heard some things, but they have not pressed in to understand. And they speak words out of their mouth that vocalize their lack of understanding. Well, you just can't know the will of God. His ways are higher than our ways. Oh, really? So, you just don't understand? What if those people who are building that ramp, putting the bike up at the top of the hill, well, you just can't know the will of the hill. You just can't know the will of the ramp. Might be that the ramp just decides to give out. You just can't ever know. Um, yes, you can know. Build it right. <laughs> Don't do it. All kinds of things you can do. Now, the word here for will is a determination, a choice, or an inclination, a desire, pleasure, or will. God has understand what the will of God is. Understand what his determination is. Understand what his choice is. Understand his inclination. Understand these things of God. He said, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. You hear correctly. But seeing and hearing is not what is needed alone. I have to see right. I have to hear right. But then I've got to press it in and understand it. These folks, they heard right about the parables. But they didn't understand them. But they pressed in to get the understanding. Weiss translates this verse this way. On this account, stop becoming those who are without reflection or intelligence. But be understanding what the will of the Lord is. New Century Version puts it this way. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. Most translations will use this word foolish here. The Amplified. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Now, the pitfalls... Of not knowing the will of God. You can write as much of this in there as you want. I tried to give you a whole lot of space. Cut out some other things. Just to try and give you some space here to write this in. So you write in what you want. Text me later on. Say hey send it over to me. That's fine too. The pitfalls of not knowing the will of God. First it is easier to walk in what I understand. But I cannot understand what I do not know. If you don't know the will of God, if you have decided you're going to live your life not knowing the will of God, that there may be things about the will of God that I am not going to know, I cannot understand what I do not know. And if I keep going around and confessing and saying things like, well, I just can't know what the will of God is all the time. There are some things I just have to accept and some things I just have to, to go with and who knows what God's will is for me tomorrow. 
and we go on with this bewilderment, bewilderment about, about things. But it's easier to walk that way. But when I understand something, it is far easier for me to walk in it, if I understand it. We've used that example just recently even, with the wax on, wax off. It is far easier if I understand what that purpose is just to, to get involved with it and to walk after it. Since you understand more and walk in greater wisdom, rather than going on the wrong one there. So the pitfalls of not knowing the will of God, first off, it's easier to walk in what I understand, but I can understand what I don't know. So I've got to first off know it in order to have an understanding of it. Second thing, if what I know doesn't line up with what is known from the Word, likely what I think I know is flawed. There are some people who think they know the will of God. Well, I don't know. I think God gave me this sickness to teach me something. See, they think that's the will of God. That doesn't line up with, with the Scripture. You go through Scripture, you never find out that God ever did that to anybody. Ever that He did that to anybody. But I think that. So my knowledge is flawed. If I know the wrong thing, God cannot give me revelation on it. He cannot give me revelation on what is darkness. And if it's not light, it's darkness. That's what He just spent all this time going over. Light is light, darkness is darkness. There's all kinds of shades of darkness, but light is light. And if I have accepted darkness as light, God cannot give me understanding or revelation on what is darkness. I've got to first off come to the realization that what I know is wrong and come into the right, right thing. Those are some of the pitfalls of not knowing the will of God. You should know the will of God. There's other places in the Scripture to teach you to know the will of God, especially from Paul. So what doors is this open for the enemy? First off, understanding will increase my enthusiasm, optimism, diligence, and fervency to overcome obstacles. If I understand what the will of God, not know, if I understand what the will of God is, it will increase my enthusiasm, optimism, diligence, and fervency to overcome obstacles. If you were the enemy, wouldn't you want to keep believers in the dark? Wouldn't you want believers thinking you can't know the will of God? Wouldn't you want believers thinking I can't understand the will of God? If I've got believers thinking I can't know it or understand it, I'm going to keep them in the dark and I'm going to cut down their enthusiasm. I'm going to cut down their diligence. I'm going to cut down their fervency, their optimism. They won't be able to overcome obstacles quite as well as they, they would. If you're the enemy, that's good. Now, having no knowledge, incorrect knowledge, or having a wrong understanding of what I do know will lead to wrong pursuits and or wrong... No, I'm sorry. Wrong pursuits and or incorrect expectations. If I have the wrong knowledge, if I've taken that wrong knowledge and developed an understanding of it, I will expect a wrong thing. And God can work on that. God can't help that. The enemy might be able to, but God can't. I'm going to pursue wrong things. 
That's some of the doors that the, this will open up for the enemy. What expectations should we have to understand what the will of the Lord is? If God wants me to know something, He also wants me to understand it. If God wants me to know something, He also wants me to understand it. When Jesus was out there speaking the parables, He didn't want them to just know the parable. He desired that they understood it. But He knew some of them were not going to get it because of the dullness of their heart. Because of the dullness of their hearing, I'm sorry. Hardness of their heart. He knew that. But if God wants you to know something, He also wants you to understand it. Pursue understanding what you think you know. Ensure it's correct. Make sure it's accurate. You remember that word we looked at. Ensure it's true, correct, and accurate. Pursue understanding what you think you know. As you pursue understanding it, listening to God, He can shed light on what you, underst- what you think you know is wrong. Fix it. Once you get the right, right, understand- right knowledge, He can then give you the right understanding. God cannot give you right, in- right understanding on wrong knowledge. Can't do it. And as long as you hang on to that wrong knowledge, you are, with- you are holding yourself back from, from uh, receiving that understanding. When Jesus talks about these people having being dull and being hard-hearted, how did they get there? Because they accepted something that was incorrect. They accepted some things about the Messiah that were not correct. They accepted some things about God that were not correct. They accepted some things about the law that were not correct. Those understandings, or those, those, that knowledge led to an understanding that was not correct. And when Jesus came along with the right knowledge and a different understanding, they saw him as wrong and they wouldn't receive it. You've got to correct that knowledge there first. That's why it's so important that we learn things in the word right. The most important thing. You've got to learn what's in the word right because if you learn what's in the word wrong, your understanding will be wrong. Your wisdom will not be of God. If God wants you to walk accurately and with clear vision, He will not keep you in the dark. If God expects you to walk accurately and with clear vision, He does not expect to not shine light on you. He does not want you to stay in the dark. Don't go around confessing, well, I just can't know what the will of God is. You can and you should. When we see people in the world who don't have a revelation that brings understanding of what they know, It is usually, and there's three reasons here. You can try and squeeze these in if you want to. When we see people in the Word, not talking about out in the world, not talking about people next to you, people back home. When we see people in the Word who don't have a revelation that brings understanding of what they know, it's usually because, from one, their knowledge is flawed. Their knowledge is flawed. Two, their maturity level can't handle it. Three, their faith isn't ready. Their knowledge is flawed. Their maturity level can't handle it. Their faith isn't ready. Instead of checking what they know, growing in maturity at every opportunity, 
developing the faith they have, they sit back, get lazy, and wait for God to do something. Well, if it's the will of God, He'll bring it to pass. He'll bring it about. And they get lazy, and they sit back, and they wait for God. Very seldom was a full or fuller understanding of the will of God waiting on Him. Get this, I wrote this down, I wanted to read it for you, because this is, it's important that you get it like this. Very seldom was a full or fuller understanding of the will of God waiting on him or waiting on God. And the few times it did, it was God's will for all mankind, all Israel, or all of the church. You don't see this on an individual basis. And I wrote down some examples. First off, the coming of the deliverer for Israel. They were waiting on God to reveal this. It was on a bigger scale. When it was on a bigger scale, there were some things that, that waited on God to come to. And this was one of them. The appearance of Messiah. The rapture of the church. The second advent. The will of God on those things is waiting on Him to reveal. They are not things that are on an individual basis. They are things that are on a large-scale basis. They are either on the large-scale basis of all mankind, all of Israel, or all of the church. Now, people who lacked understanding of God's will, I just pulled four of them out, and you could go over a whole lot more. I just pulled four here. First one I pulled out was Abraham. Abraham did not understand the will of God. The reason for it, underdeveloped faith. He lacked complete obedience to do what God said. He lacked trust in God. God said, get up. Get away from your family and go to a land that I will tell you. He got up and took his family and they got up to, uh, uh, to the one place his father got sick or died or something along there and they, stayed, they got stalled there for a little while. And then he went and he started acting on the only word that he got from God, get up out of your land, away from your family. So then he got up and they took his, his uh, nephew Lot and they go down to Egypt and you get to Egypt, remember what they found? Famine. And so, well, God must not be wanting me here now. There's no trust. And so he goes down to Egypt, gets in all kinds of trouble down in Egypt. Comes back into the promised land after a while. When he finally gets back into the promised land and is obedient, God then sends the next one to him. His faith was underdeveloped. I don't know exactly why. There were things that he went through that would have developed his faith that he did not go through correctly. He didn't develop his faith. And so his faith, when he faced these things, was underdeveloped. He didn't trust God. And he decided to walk away from what God had said. God had revealed his will. He did not, he did not walk in an understanding of that will because his faith was not developed to that point to, to do it. Here's the second one, Moses. Moses had a, the will of God revealed. 
that he would be the deliverer. But he had a flawed understanding. He thought he would deliver the people of Israel because of his mighty position, because of his great training, because of his uh, massive strength. (laughs) And so he tried to pursue in the flesh what was spiritual. Failed. And decided the call of God wasn't for him. Well, it was his understanding of that call. God was going to have him deliver, but not the way that he was doing it. God had a much bigger scale that was going to be involved and, and do much more. But Moses had flawed understanding. Samson, there was a will of God for his life. He knew what the will of God for his life was, but he did not walk in a great understanding of that will. He saw it as just uh, knocking out 10 or 20 or 30 Philistines here, maybe 100 over here. He didn't see delivering the entire nation, wiping out the Philistines. He didn't press into it that way. And Samson's reason was he lacked maturity. You look at the life of Samson, he fed on the wrong things. He fed on what was flesh, not what was spiritual. And he didn't grow. He didn't develop his spiritual maturity. And the reason that he never understood the will of God for his life the way that he needed to is because he lacked maturity. Abraham underdeveloped faith. Moses, flawed understanding. Samson lacked maturity. Saul, King Saul, he had underdeveloped faith. He was shaken from staying obedient to the things of God. And God eventually said, I've repented of making Saul sin or king. Because when he faced trials, when he faced that first one, Samson was late for the sacrifice. The people were beginning to depart. The enemy was, was coming against them. His forces were leaving. He decided, well, I needed to, to do something. And so he went and did what he's not supposed to do. Because he didn't have the trust. Because he did not take the opportunity to develop his faith where it was given. David, on the other hand, developed his faith. He learned how to develop his faith killing a bear, killing a lion. He learned how to develop his faith in other areas. And when he came to his giant, his faith was developed. And, of course, he went bigger things even more than that after that. People who lacked understanding in the Word of God is where we're looking at. They lacked understanding of God's will. Underdeveloped faith, flawed understanding, lacked maturity. These are the areas. Their knowledge is flawed. If your knowledge is flawed, your understanding is going to be flawed. The maturity level can't handle it. You don't feed on the right things to build yourself up spiritually. You feed on the, on the flesh things or their faith just isn't ready. They didn't develop their faith. Underdeveloped faith, flawed understanding, lack of maturity. Those are the things that are going to keep us from understanding the will of God. These are the things that kept the children of Israel from understanding the things that Jesus was teaching, from understanding what the will of Messiah was, what the will of God was for Messiah. There are things that are going on in our life, and God wants us to understand it. He knows the knowledge of what God wants to do in your life is not enough. You need to have an understanding of it. He does not give you knowledge without also wanting to give you understanding. I go back to the life of Daniel. Daniel had, under, had knowledge on some things. 
Remember, the angel was sent with the command, make him understand the vision. The vision was the knowledge. Make him understand the vision. And so the angel stayed with him, teaching him, instructing him on the vision so that Daniel could understand it. God does not give you knowledge without also wanting you to understand what that knowledge is to do. Don't ever go around and say, you just can't know the will of God. You can know the will of God. You're supposed to know the will of God. When Jesus came to this earth, did he know what the will of God was for his life? Did he understand the will of God for his life? Remember he was caught in the temple for the three days? Did you not know I would be about my father's business? Did Paul understand the will of God for his life? When he was called up, he talked about the vision, called up to the third heaven. He was called, he understood his, his role. In fact, even in the prophecy, it told him some things, gave him some knowledge, but he got more understanding of it. I'm supposed to take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. I'm supposed to take the message of the gospel before kings, princes, rulers. And he did. He understood what, what that was about. There is a, the knowledge of what God wants to do in your life and then there's understanding the will. Understanding the will takes some time. Press into it. If you have a wrong knowledge, you're going to come to a wrong conclusion. And you're going to think, well, God's done with me. Well, God doesn't have any more purpose for me. You see, if I don't have the right knowledge of what God wants to do, I come out with a wrong understanding. I'm ripe for the devil to feed me anything he wants. Well, God is just done with, with you just done everything he can. Well, you just did it wrong. Well, you just pursued what God wanted you in the wrong way. Well, God just doesn't have a call on your life. Well, God just, it, you, you did the wrong thing. You went the wrong way. There's no way to redeem the time. Apparently there is. There's a way to get it back. Because just about everybody we have in the Bible wasted some time, a lot of time. But here it is, Paul's teaching us, you can buy it back, you can redeem it back. Understand what the will of God is. If you walk in such a way as to not understand the will of God for your life, you will walk as one who is stupid and one who is a fool. That is not the way God wants us to walk. That is not the way that all these verses that Paul has spent from chapter 4 into chapter 5 that he has been talking about, walk in the light. Be children of light because he wants us to walk in a way that we understand the will of God for our life. We understand where God has taken us and what God is going to do because if I understand those things, the enemy is not able to take me down the way he would otherwise. Father, I thank you that we can not only know the will of God for our life but understand it. Understand what it is that you wish to do. Understand where it is that you wish us to go. And that along the way, we need to develop our faith so that when we hit those places like Abraham hit, our faith is ready. When the devil tries to come and sells us on something that is not the will of God, we're ready. We won't fall for it. We won't go after it. We won't have underdeveloped faith. We won't have a flawed understanding and pursue 
a godly goal through flesh means. And we will not lack maturity. We will grow up in the things of God, feeding on the right things so that when we need that maturity, it's there. I thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't give you a whole lot of blanks, I don't think, except for those uh, spots I made you write all that stuff. <laughs> Again, if it was too much for you, just let me know. I can uh, text it out to you. I think uh, email it, something like that. Uh, but any questions, comments, or anything to add? Sharon has a question. Yeah. When you say, go, this was from the beginning of your, your message. When you say go over the word to understand a verse, do you mean reread the verse along with surrounding verses, all in different translations? You have to understand any verse in the context. So you have to go back to, if you're dealing with Jesus' teaching, you have to go back to when he started teaching to understand the, the full context of what he was doing. Jesus always taught in um, concise, uh, concise teaching. It was, it was about something. It was to answer a question. So uh, I do always look at that to make sure that the verse I'm, I'm focused in on, I'm understanding it within the context. So context is huge. You've got to understand the, the context of it. After I understand the context, I have to understand the content. And so that's where I'll go to other translations. As for, for me personally, I, I go to the Greek first. And then I may go to other translations to see how they handled it or what they did. So uh, context is huge. The... Um, uh, content of the verse. I got to understand the the content of it, and then you have to go from there and and uh, make sure that you get the right application of it. Just because I'm understanding what was said, doesn't mean I understand what he meant me to do for it. If you remember, the, the disciples heard Jesus say, "Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees." They didn't have a whole lot of context with which to understand that. He just kind of threw that there at them. And they understood it in a natural way. So they heard what he said. They understood what he said. But their application of it was off. And, and Jesus said, you think that's what I'm talking about? We just got done multiplying loaves of bread. Do you think I'm talking about bread? So he expected them to understand that a little bit differently. So those are the three aspects of it. The context of what was said. The um, uh, content of what it said, and then you got to make sure they get the right application of the, of the thing. It can take some time. Sometimes I'm reading over the passage. If I feel like, <clears throat> you know, you get your spidey sense tingling, <laughs> you, you get something on the inside of your spirit, and your spirit is saying, there's something in there, and you're drawn to it. Then you're ripe for receiving whatever's there. The spirit of God is saying, you're ready for this now. You may not have been ready for it before. It's not like suddenly this is... Um, there to be seen. No, it was always there to be seen, but I wasn't ready for it, but now I am. And the Spirit of God is calling me. Pursue it. Get in there. Find out what that's saying. And so I'll get in there and I'll find out. I'll pursue the context. I'll pursue the content of the, of the verse. And then I've got to make sure I get the right application of it. How is this being uh, applied? And I'm listening to my Spirit. I'm going over it. I'm going over it. I'm going over it. A lot of times I uh, copy the verse into a place where I can access it on a frequent uh, basis or the passage, if it's more than that, so I can keep looking at it. Sometimes I go to bed, and I read over that, that verse, so that while I'm sleeping, I'm going over it. And then when I wake up, I look at it again, 
I want it fresh in my mind. I want me constantly thinking about it, constantly going on. I'm waiting for that revelation to come. So that's, uh, the revelation will come to your spirit. My head doesn't figure this stuff out. I'm not smart enough. But my spirit can get it. As we've said before, get the revelation in your spirit, teach it to your head so you won't forget it. That's the way we got to go. Okay, good. good. Yeah. Uh-huh. James, yep. today's verse mm-hmm. or today's chapter, and I quote, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, mm-hmm. whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Mm-hmm. Start off in the beginning. There's, there's that one, if the Lord mm-hmm. wills. Sure. <laughs> and like you said, you throw that on, you know, I'll go here tomorrow if the Lord Will and the people always throw and it on they there. they always do. I'll see you tomorrow. Yep. If the Lord wills, Lord yep. willing, mm-hmm. you you hear it all the time. Now, like I when I read it, I was like, okay, you're missing something. I'll think about that later because I know you have said we can know the will of God mm-hmm. for our lives. Absolutely. So I was like, you must be missing something in this chapter in the context. Of what he's talking about. Yep. Okay. Go to the beginning of the, the verses that you read. Read them again. Just the first or second verse. Come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. All right, stop. Where was God involved in that verse? Nowhere. <laughs> they were like, we'll go to this city. Are they city. doing anything for God? Well, I don't know. According to this, they said they're going to make a profit uh-huh. and buy Are and they sell. Doing anything by the inspiration of God? Who said it? They said it. They said it. Come now, you who say. Yeah, you who say. Yep. So God didn't tell them to go to such such a city. God may not have even told them to get into the business of selling whatever it is that they're selling. They mm-hmm. said it. Mm-hmm. So we have, you're setting up the basis right there. This is a person who has just like in the parable that Jesus told, they set out to make money. And the person that Jesus told, he was successful. He made money. Now he's going to store it, just put it away. Come, let's go to this such and such a city. Let's make a profit. Everything that they're planning there is in the natural. God isn't involved. What James is doing right there, get God involved. Get God, maybe let's see if God is willing for us to, to do this. Because they're not getting God involved. Now, you're, James is writing to people who, uh, a lot of them are thrust out into cities where they are not able to work the way they were able to work before. Because most of the people had trades. And outside of, of Judea, there were guilds. And in order to be involved with the guild, you had to be involved in some kind of idolatrous practices. And they weren't willing to do that. So, how are we going to make money? 
so we got to come up with a way to do it. Well, if we go over to this city, they don't have that going on. Let's go over here and let's do this. Did God tell you? Is God instructing you? Is God sending you in that direction? What's he doing? No, guys, you got to get God back involved in this process. You're, you need to, to see, well, if, if God is behind us, we'll go out here and we'll, we'll do this. Because in that whole beginning process, what James is describing is someone who did not involve God in any process at all. And I think now that you say that, 15 clears it. Because 15 says, instead, you ought to say, mm -hmm. if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. That's the clearing because he's telling you how or what you really should do yep. kind of first, if you will. Yep. Not not make all these decisions beforehand because mm -hmm. he says instead yep. you ought. ought to so do it. there you go. Yep. There it is.